Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. For some people, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. But for my guest, if it's any day of the week, it must be Europe. He's Rick Steves, America's most respected authority on European experiences and travel, and host of a new six-episode TV special series, Rick Steves' Art of Europe, which focuses on Europe's top 100 masterpieces and unlocks key moments throughout thousands of years of art history. The series will air on PBS in October. For everything about Rick Steves, go to ricksteves.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ed. I've always thought of you as the Mr. Rogers of travel. How do you stay so agreeable throughout your adventures in Europe? Oh, I'm lucky I've found my niche. You know, all my life I've enjoyed traveling. And very early on, back in my 20s, I realized if I can just take careful notes, I experience rather than their own and have a better trip. When I get ripped off, I celebrate. They don't know who they just ripped off. I'm going to learn that scam and bring it home and share it with all of my countrymen here in the United States so we can all travel smarter. And my theme for the last couple of years has been putting together everything I know about art appreciation, enjoy the art more in our travels, or even from our you know um, stay-at-home travels by watching public television. So I'm sort of into this art. It's so much fun, and, and it's great to have a chance to talk with you. Well, was it art that first drew you to Europe? initially, or was it just the, the love of travel? No. Going to the museums, I because my mom said it'd be a crime not to, and I was literally surrounded by people looking like they're having a good time, and I was convinced they were faking it. I was thinking, how could people enjoy this stuff? And I remember a couple years later in college, sitting in the dorm with my friends, paging through the course catalog, thinking, what's the most boring class we could probably take here at the university? And for me, I thought European art history, it's got to be so boring. <laughs> um, but then, you know, for 30 years, I've been leading groups around Europe on my making TV shows. And boy, I've learned that art is so much fun if you understand it. And my theme is kind of giving people context so that when they finally get to there and they stand in front of Michelangelo's David or when they're when when they're they're, they're looking up at the School of Athens by Raphael or if they're looking at the, the Monet, you know, water lilies, that they understand who painted it? What was going on? Who paid for it and why? And uh, and how can we be inspired by the art? And uh, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Ira, people ask me for a budget tip when it comes to going to the galleries. And I say, well, we're going to pay the same. But if you understand what you're going to look at, it's going to be triple as much value. You know, there's so much art in the world. You obviously focus on Europe and the joy of European art and how it connects to the world and our past, our present, our future. Can you appreciate art without the highbrow interpretation that so many people assume they have to have? Well, that's so fundamental, of course. And the art should be fun. And that's part of what I'm doing. I'm inspired. When I was a kid, I watched a series called Civilization by Kenneth Clark. And he was brilliant. And he was a scholar. And he used big words. And he was kind of plodding. And I really loved the show. It inspired me. But it was really Art real. If I'm going to step into a Gothic cathedral with a bunch of travelers for their first time, we'll build a Gothic cathedral out of tourists before we step in. It's 13. You need six columns to build this, and it is the skeleton of support of what Gothic is all about with pointed arches and pillars. Oh, now I get it. So make the art more accessible. And that's sort of you know, the art of Europe that we've done. Look at the Pantheon in Rome. And we're going to just be awestruck by the, the building that gives us a feeling 
the magnificent splendor of ancient Rome than any other. They're, they're, it takes four tours to Egypt 2,000 years ago. How do they do that and why? And then you step into the Pantheon wide, 140 feet tall, a perfect circle within a cube with a skylight on top. And you just think, oh my goodness, that beam coming in from the heavens, that star, that, that, that slash of light is like the greatest column in European history. And 2,000 years ago in that pantheon, that temple to all the gods, it connected mortals with the heavens. In a lot of ways, it still does today. You have a sense of wonder about you. And yet, it's amazing because you've been to Europe so many years and so many times within each year. How is it that you keep from getting jaded or cynical? Ira, my goal is to have myself in a mindset where I can look at it through the eyes of people from the age when this was made. When you look at Michelangelo's David, you're not looking at a shepherd slaying a giant. You're looking at as a Renaissance man. David is sizing up the, the giant and he's saying, I can take him. And with his faith in God, he's empowered, and it is symbolic of Florence leading Western civilization out of the Middle Ages and into the modern age. It is humanism. It is realizing that the best way to glorify God is not to bow down in church all day long, but to recognize the skills that God gives you and then use them to have a better life and to make the world a better place. That's what David's all about. And if we can understand that that humanism that took Europe by storm 500 years ago, then when you see David, when you turn the corner and you see David, it's like a church to humanism, and you go, wow, now I get it. Do you find that, because you've written so many guidebooks and published so many guidebooks over the years, is it the in-person appreciation, just as you mentioned, of David, for example, versus reading about him in a book that really connects with people? When you're there seeing it, what I, what's called by art historians or, you know, art aficionados in situ, where it was designed to be seen. I hate to see a painting hanging in a gallery in Los Angeles, but it's even better to see it in the, the, the palace or the church where Bernini or where Rubens or where Rembrandt was paid for to have and for us to, to be able to to visit it there in person or to visit with a mindset that is uh, in keeping with that time, it just carbonates the whole experience. Your shows make travel popular. Do you see yourself doing the same thing for art in this series? My goal in this series is to make art fun. And art is fun. And art is flat out beautiful. Uh, in, in this day and age, there's there's so much negativity and what we've got is six hours of a celebration of Western culture. Uh, it's the art of Europe, and uh, we can learn so much from where we've come. And it, it helps us better appreciate where we are, and then we can do a better job of going where we should be going. But I mean, there is so much to celebrate when you look at the art, and there's also so much tragedy in the past that we can learn from. I mean, one of the most powerful uh, pieces of art in all of Europe is Picasso's 25-foot-wide mural, Guernica. And, you know, that was uh, done during the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s. And Hitler had this Luftwaffe and he was preparing for World War II and his uh, fascist friend Franco was having a civil war. And Hitler told Franco, hey, would you uh, let me try out my uh, airplanes that drop bombs and I can help you out with your fight against the people in the civil war? Franco said, great, bomb Guernica. And Picasso's, uh, Picasso, uh, you know, portrayed the tragedy 
of this first aerial bombardment, was Luftwaffe tore the town of Guernica to shreds. And Picasso, he the horses screaming, the bull, the symbol of Spain, looking up at the heavens and why, and a mother with her dead baby in modern Pieta and a shattered village and bombs falling. And what Picasso's done is he's put a human face on collateral damage, uh, a human face on the in just a precursor to World War II when millions of innocent people, civilians were killed and to this day, it's the most powerful piece of 20th century art in Europe. And we'll see that when we go to Madrid. For me to be able to just give a little context that way makes the, it, it enables us to appreciate the genius of Picasso, whether we're going there or not. And with this art series, it's six hours of that kind of fun. I mean, if you look at a huge canvas by Rubens, you go, whoa, how did he paint that big thing? Well, Rubens, who's one of the most prolific painters in European history, he had an assembly line of great masterpieces, and Rubens would make a little cartoon or a sketch, and then next to the sketch, his students and his assistants in his studio would paint the giant canvas, and then Rubens would come in and give it what you call the, the fury of the brush, a little glimmer here, a little shadow there, a little splash of light here, and then the masterpiece by Rubens was ready to be shipped out to his wealthy patrons. For me to be in the museum and to show you the sketch and then to show you the real giant canvas and to explain the business behind it and the meaning and what was going on, for me as a teacher, it's a great opportunity. And for me as a TV producer to be able to weave into a series, I'm convinced this is going to help our generation. Well, it's funny because what you're doing is contributing to an appreciation of Western art and culture. And ironically, Western art and culture has been on the defensive for, for at least the last decade or so from, I guess, people looking at just negative aspects of it. What you're highlighting, you don't take away from any negative experiences, but you are highlighting the positive contributions of Western art and culture. Historian, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more tuned into how far we've come and what we've accomplished over the generations. And of course, we've got a long way to go. And of course, there's serious problems to deal with. But there's nothing like being able to go to Europe and admittedly, Europe, there's lots more art, obviously, from every civilization on this planet. But here's our chance to look at what Europe has done as it evolved through the ages. And, uh, and, and, and it's a big part of our, of our culture. And uh, you can trace the evolution of the culture when you know where to look and what it means. You can step into a, a domed tomb from 20,000 years ago on Orkney, uh, north of Scotland, and you can walk, you bend low to walk through this passageway, which is just an amazing experience in itself. And then you pop into this tomb and you realize on the longest day of the year, the sun would shine down the passageway that you just walked, that for thousands of years, people have bent their heads to walk through and it would fill that chamber with light and and who knows, it would take the, the soul of the, the person who died off to heaven or something that they thought 20,000 years ago. And then a couple thousand years later, or a thousand years later, you've got a, a, a like a stone igloo tomb in the Mycenaean culture in Greece. And that was the biggest dome that they had been able to build. And then a thousand years after that, the Romans built the Pantheon, 140 feet wide and 140 feet tall with that amazing poured concrete roof and the, the big skylight on top. And you think, whoa, that's what Rome could do. And then 1,200 years after that, you've got the Dome in Florence by Brunelleschi, which kicked off the architectural renaissance. And a few generations later, Michelangelo built the dome at the Vatican in St. Peter's, the tallest dome yet to be built, taller than a football field on end. And he said he could build a dome bigger, but not more beautiful than the one in his hometown of Florence. To follow the ability of uh, all of these artistic and architectural geniuses to 
to create these amazing spaces and then to visit them in the context of each age. It's a thrilling opportunity. And you can do that vicariously through television. And you can do that actually in person if you are blessed enough to be able to go there and visit these places on your own. But for me, as a tour guide and a teacher, I just want to help people properly be wowed by this stuff because it knocks my socks off and it can knock yours off too. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Rick Steves, America's most respected authority on European experiences and travel, and host of a new six-episode TV special series, Rick Steves' Art of Europe, which focuses on Europe's top 100 masterpieces and unlocks key moments throughout thousands of years of art history. The series will air on PBS in October. For everything about Rick Steves, go to ricksteves.com and you can follow him on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Rick, thanks for being on the show. Ira, it's been a delight. Thank you very much and happy travels. Thank you. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.